Hello, I am Baymax, your personal healthcare companion. I heard a sound of distress. What seems to be the trouble? Welcome to Now Playing's review of Big Hero 6. Prepare to be amazed. Part of the Now Playing Marvel comic movie series. I know, right? Hosted by Arnie. I didn't know you were still active. Stuart. It is all right to cry. And Jacob. He's glorious. This podcast contains detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, sit down, tell me everything. Today we're discussing Disney's Big Hero 6, starring Scott Adsit, Brian Potter, Daniel Henney, TJ Miller, Jamie Chung, Damon Wayans Jr., directed by Don Hall and Chris Williams. This is Arnie, podcaster by day, but by night, I'm also a podcaster. Stuart in L.A. And this is Jacob, and I managed to always get my underwear to last four days, because I wear them front, I wear them back, then inside out, and front and back. <laughs> Too much information. The problem with that is the taint's always in the same spot, so that's gotta get stinky. <laughs> so we are here reviewing a animated Disney movie <laughs> Well, we knew this was coming, right? I mean, Marvel and Disney coming together, it only seems natural that this would be the kind of project they'd hatch together. I mean, once it became clear that the parent company had all of these Marvel characters, I guess we can be glad that they're not animating other characters. They're still making the live action movies. I don't know. You say hatch together. I didn't see any Marvel scroll on this film. When I saw the commercial for the Disney Infinity beforehand, they had Marvel Infinity, Disney Infinity. The Baymax character was on the Disney side. And before I went in, they had people from Disney handing out little questionnaires, seeing why people saw the film. One of the reasons, because it's a Disney film, there is no option because it's a Marvel film. Wow. But that's why we're reviewing it. It's because it's a Marvel film. I didn't see us doing Wreck-It Ralph or Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I have done my homework. I, I think I am on the record. I'm not a hater, but I think it's easy to peg me as that because I'm not a fan. I don't tend to watch a lot of animated films. When I do, it is Japanimation. So the fact that this is sort of Disney going in that realm is a little more exciting than, say, Frozen or Tangled, but I did go back and I watched all of Frozen, most of Wreck-It Ralph. I fell asleep during Tangled, but I, I saw the good part. I, I saw all the stuff with the horse, which I think was the, <laughs> which was the best stuff. You're a better man than I, because I had this great intention to, after the 40-year-old critic review series, I was going to review all of Disney's computer-generated animated films, ending with this review of Big Hero 6, try to get the listeners excited, do written reviews on the Gazette. I made it halfway through Chicken Little. <laughs> and then I was like, screw it. I'm done. I'm sorry, Zach Graff. I loved Scrubs. I loved Garden State, but I can't watch this thing. <laughs> I forgot about that one. It should be said, Arnie, we're not Disney kids. We didn't grow When we grew up, they, Disney didn't have a roster of new films coming out every year. It was like they were in the dumpster. And when they did put something out, it was Oliver and Company or Black Cauldron. <laughs> Yeah, I remember those days. I remember the good Disney films came out. They were like Bambi or Snow White, those ones that they release every few years. It wasn't until I was like in junior high that they had their renaissance with Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. My general rule is 
the princess movies are better than the boy adventures. Like you, Beauty and the Beast, sure. Little Mermaid, okay. Mulan, you know, Frozen. Those are the big hits. When we get to like, I don't know, Atlantis and Hercules <laughs> and all of that. Aladdin is like the one that I could think of that's a classic. But by and large, if it doesn't have a princess in it. Lion King? It, those are animals. Those are neither princess nor boy adventures in my mind. But it's a prince. I mean, it's the Lion King. Yeah, he's kind of a prince. Yeah, you know, and I'll be honest, not that we're going to ever do a Disney thing, but yeah, I thought Lion King was a little bit on the weak side, at least as far as the story goes. Ooh, controversy. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Well, I agree with you, Stuart. I wasn't raised Disney, but that doesn't stop a lot of people of our generation from being what I have coined Disnuts. (laughs) And just the absolute fanatical Disney folk. And I don't know where they got it because I went to see Lady and the Tramp and Pinocchio when they were re-released in theaters as a kid. But the only Disney movie to ever really excite me was Aladdin. And that's just because I'm a huge Robin Williams fan. And I thought he was great in it. I mean, he was basically doing stand-up as a genie. How would I not like that? When Homer Simpson took over the role, I was out. Yeah, I have a friend who's a year older than me, had a Disney wedding. He's a huge Disnut, as I guess you're calling them. It was weird. But Disney films come out, I guess, pre-Cars. I was excited for Pixar stuff. The Disney animated stuff, not so much. The only one that I was really excited to see was Wreck-It Ralph. And then I saw it, and I thought it was going to be a nostalgic arcade trip. And no, it was just a – they snuck in a princess movie on me. It was a little bit. I mean, they had Qbert in it. There were things I could point to that from my childhood, but I was a little disappointed in Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, you mentioned Pixar. Pixar really did best Disney, right? Like, that happened around 95 with Toy Story. All of a sudden, the spotlight shifted away from the Disney animated movies, and it was all about what this computer graphics company could do. And at this point, I feel like Disney is trying to play catch-up. Wreck-It Ralph felt like the ripoff of Toy Story. Yeah, when I saw ads for Wreck-It Ralph, I thought it was a Pixar movie. I mean, but look at Disney. I'm biased against Disney. I love Star Wars. Disney bought them. I love Marvel. (laughs) Disney bought them. And you talk about how Pixar was showing up Disney. What did Disney do? I feel, honestly, that Disney has no creativity, but they have a big pocketbook who will buy politicians, and they'll buy their competition. So I just am a little anti-Disney from the get-go. That said, I kind of like Wreck-It Ralph. I agree with you guys. A little weak. It's The ending does not justify. But I like seeing Qbert in the physical, and Wreck-It Ralph is basically Donkey Kong. I thought that one was okay. I'd give it a faint green arrow. Yeah, although I, besides Wreck-It Ralph, I did see Tangled. And again, I know it made a ton of money. It was all right. That, that's how I felt about these days. I haven't seen Frozen. I'm kind of anti-Frozen at this point. It's so huge. <laughs> I did fast forward through the songs. But again, all of these, I think they're fine. If I had children, if I could find them, believe me, <laughs> those that listen to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles know I like to defer to imaginary children when I have no dog in the fight. But uh, I can't find them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you flushed them. What do you expect? <laughs> they were going to be superheroes and I let them and I... <laughs> haven't we called the plumbers i don't know where they are i'm hoping i find them by the time they do turtles too because i just i can't go into that movie alone but i didn't watch any of them with my kids i watched them with my adult self and yeah pixar makes movies that adults can enjoy disney makes movies that adults can tolerate and i'm kind of of the mindset you're forgetting a big one dreamworks and shrek you know i watch quite a few animated films i keep wanting to like them i like the first shrek I liked Finding Nemo, 
but by and large, I watch these movies, the Lego movie, Despicable Me, any of the Shrek sequels, and I've seen them all. I've seen nothing that you've talked about. <laughs> Even Monsters, Inc. I've watched all of these because the trailers look good and they look kind of fun and whimsical and they just become very rote. And I, if I had imaginary or physical children, they might enjoy these movies. By and large, I want to like animated movies, but I'm usually left wanting when credits roll. I will say that the best animated film I've seen uh, over the past few years was that first How to Train Your Dragon, which I believe was DreamWorks. Really great film. Haven't seen the sequel. But I. good news, guys. You don't have to have imaginary children. I, I took my girlfriend and her two daughters of four and eight to this film. So I've got the opinion of real children for this one. Oh, good. Uh, although I, I was in an audience where there were lots of children, so I guess I could speculate <laughs> on how they were. They were very vocal. Let me put it that way. There was tears in the right moments. There was laughter in the right moments. But yeah, I had none of my imaginary children. I did go see this in Disney Ground Zero. It's the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood. Disney owns it. They only play Disney movies there. And they had a whole production. Even before the show, they had a live Baymax come out and do a laser light show dance routine uh, you know he was baymax so he didn't move very fast but <laughs> uh, they did a whole production to entertain the kids i felt like i was at disney world watching it i did the exact opposite you went to a midnight showing didn't you <laughs> i went to a 9 30 p.m showing on a monday night i mean there was one advantage to doing interstellar last week when big hero 6 came out and big hero 6 this week that meant no kids, nobody in my showing. It was like me and a couple old ladies and my wife. I mean, it was a sparse, sparse audience. One person did bring kids. It was a school night. I think they might be bad parents, but there were like two kids in the whole audience. I got their reactions by just overhearing giggles. But beyond that, I'm just reviewing this one as me. However, I do know probably more about Big Hero 6 than was ever revealed in the movie as I own all the toys. We did an in-depth review of them for Marvelicious Toys. That review came out two weeks ago. So I knew all of the characters, the toys, Baymax going in. You So you bought the toys sight unseen? I bought the toys to review for the show. Okay. Period. Mm -hmm. Wow. It was not a purchase I would have made were I not co-host of Marvelicious Toys. I gotcha. And one thing I noticed with my crowd, I went on an 8 p.m. Saturday night. It was like half kids and then half like 20-somethings that were either really into Despicable Me. They got really excited for that Minions trailer. Oh, that looked good. <laughs> Better than the Penguins. <laughs> or, yeah, they were comic book geeks. They were Marvel fans, and that's why they're going to see it, even though I don't think anyone knows who Big Hero 6 is, really. And if you've seen this movie, you still don't know anything about the comic. The funny thing is, again, as co-host of Marvelicious Toys, I've watched this whole thing go down. And the way Marvel has really distanced themselves from this film, which I'm sure has to have led to some internal strife. But Marvel, they haven't published a lot of Big Hero 6 comics. And I'll look to you, Jacob, for a little bit more of the history. But I know Big Hero 6, they're not Spider-Man. There's not hundreds and hundreds of comics out there about them. They were just created in, I think, was it the 90s? Yeah, the late 90s is when this concept really came together. 
I mean, they have their roots in the X-Men. If you remember Silver Samurai from that Wolverine movie, he oh, had yeah. something to do with this gathering. But this is a mainstream Marvel team. This isn't some future team in San Francisco, as we'll see in this movie. No, this was just a Japanese government-sponsored superhero team. I have a theory. After Guardians of the Galaxy and now this, my theory is that they feel like they can present things that feel fresh and new to people by going to obscure comic books now. Is is that the thought process? Did they just take something that ran very briefly and didn't burn very brightly and are now presenting it so that it can feel like an original Disney animated movie rather than a comic book that fans know and love? Not necessarily. I was reading about the making of this and the writers, they were basically said, we want to make a Disney Marvel film. Go into the Marvel archives, find what you want, see what we can do. And obviously the Avengers have their PG-13 franchise, so they were looking for other stuff. But I think anything not owned by Fox or Sony was available to them. Mm -hmm. And what they came out with was Big Hero 6. They really liked this idea of this kind of Asian-influenced type of thing, which is really weird because... Good luck even finding the Big Hero 6 comics. What few there are, Marvel refused to reprint to tie into this movie. Yeah, just a couple of miniseries. Never even had an ongoing. And I think around the time that this started, I actually read some Big Hero 6. They were brought back into a Spider-Man crossover in 2010. That's the first time I'd heard of Big Hero 6. Probably right around the time this film got underway, before things soured between Marvel and corporate parent Disney. But... There's nothing official. All the rumors say Marvel Studios was going, here's what you do with our characters. And Disney's going, no, this is what you do with a Disney film. And they parted ways to the point that there are tie-in comics for Big Hero 6 that Marvel refused to be part of. And so they hired a Japanese manga company. So they <laughs> went to an external comic publisher wow. to do comics for the Disney movie based on the Marvel property. The toy license, one of the reasons I reviewed them for Marvelicious, not Hasbro. All Marvel toys are Hasbro. These, Bandai. Huh. Well, that was my question. Was was the comic some offshoot? Was it originated in Japan, or, or was it uh, American artists that created this? No, it was, it was American writers that created this team, and but placed it in Japan with an all-Japanese team. Okay. And there was no cuddly robot. No, the robot, like, transmorphs into a dragon. A dragon? Yes. <laughs> Though they did have a Fred character who, he had the aura of Godzilla, or Godzilla-like monster. They do it a little bit different here. Everything, they just twist a little bit different from how they appear in the comic. My other question is, our main character is a 14-year-old. His name is Hero H-I-R-O. Was it ever called Big H-I-R-O-6? No. Because he's kind of the head of the team. No, I think that's just kind of a coincidence. And in this case, I'm surprised they didn't rename it for Disney. But again, the person who put this team together was Silver Samurai, the Wolverine nemesis who became a good guy for a while. So he was in charge. And then after that, they had an X-Men named Sunfire, who I think might have been in Days of Future Past. There were so many in Days of Future yeah, Past. That, that sounds familiar from that film. Yeah. I, one of the ones in the future, the yeah. Asian Human Torch. He was in charge for a while, so eventually Hero became a main character too, but he was never intended to be the character around whom the Six formed. Okay, but a logical character if you're going to tell a classical Disney movie in, in the 
realm of their other boy adventures. Yeah, Tarzan, Hercules, they're going for that. Yeah, I would say, and I gave this some serious thought, this movie has as much to do with the Source comic as Man-Thing had to do with the Source comic. (laughs) That is the only Marvel Comics property I can find that has fallen so far from the tree. Well, hopefully it's better than that, but uh, I get your point. It's not that it's of the same quality or fallen to such ill repute, just that there's no reason to review the comic anymore because there's nothing about it here. No, I think next year's Fantastic Four is going to be the third film that falls so far astray if rumors are true, but that is it. I mean, everything else, even Howard the Duck, looked somewhat like the comic. This... No, there's no reason to have Marvel at the beginning. And really, you have to squint. I'm surprised they even bothered with a Stan Lee cameo. I was shocked. Yeah. Seeing how how divorced from Marvel they were in this film. Yeah. I wondered if they were going to kill him, though. But uh, we'll, we'll get into it when we get into the movie. Before we do, I think we should mention there's an animated film prior to Big Hero 6 called Feast. You guys get Feast? Yeah. Sure did. It really enjoyed it. It started, and it started with that Steamboat Willie and yes. so I thought this was the movie. I forgot that animated films have before things. Because I said I watch a lot of animated films. I don't go to theaters. I don't like talking or crying or shouting in the movies. And most G-rated animated films have a ton of that. So I see it at home and I don't get this. So I'm like, Big Hero 6 has a dog? What's with this dog? And then it goes on. Tears are running down my face. Aw, really? This thing is so good and so sweet, but I thought for sure they were going to kill the dog. Don't they always kill the dog? Yeah, I wondered if they would because it, it did seem that, like I was thinking about Up, right? I mean, weren't you yes. guys thinking about Up here? Yes. This is the the same concept of we're largely without words going to tell a story of a romance through the eyes of this dog. And it's the dog that kind of brings them together, the dog that keeps them from straying apart. Yeah, I did wonder if, if they would go all the way with the end of the dog. But they don't. They want to give us maybe some misty eyes, but they don't want to have us blubbering over old Yeller here. Yeah, but, <laughs> but they had this moment where the dog is like laying next to the bowl and the whole movie's been the dog eating and a meatball rolls and the dog doesn't move I'm like oh mother these they killed the dog and like tears I had to like wipe my eyes to get and reset reboot my own internal emotions and then when they let the dog live I was like crying even more I can't believe I was blubbering in the theater but feast did it I kudos Well, you do have little dogs. It should be said, we can hear them sometimes in the background, (laughs) yipping around. But this is getting close to home with you. I think it's a Boston Terrier in this movie, but it's a very adorable dog. It looks like one of my chihuahuas, though, because of the spot over the eyes. I mean, I instantly associated that with my dog. Yeah, I I can see it. And my dogs would love a cupcake feast. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's fun that they really nail the mannerisms of a, a hungry little dog. I've had little dogs in my life, and it brought back a lot of memories. I did enjoy this. It, it was just the right length and a nice way to begin, nice way to set expectations for what I was about to watch. Yeah, whether or not I recommend this movie, I recommend you go to the theaters just to see Feast. It's worth the price of admission for a ticket. So Arnie, do you want to give him the plot? Hero is a 14-year-old genius. Already a high school graduate, the boy spends his time hustling robot fights on the streets of San Francisco instead of pursuing higher education. But his older brother Tadashi inspires him to try to get into his university program headed by Professor Robert Callahan, one of Hero's idols and voiced by James Cromwell. Hero tries to get into the school by competing in the annual showcase where Hero shows his microbots. 
Small robots that create anything his mind can think of, controlled by thought via a headband. Hero's bots are so revolutionary that not only is he accepted into the school, but businessman Alistair Cray offers him a fortune for the tech. But Callahan warns not to trust Cray, so Hero refuses the offer. But that night, a fire breaks out in the hall while Dr. Callahan is still inside. Tadashi goes to rescue his professor, but is killed in an explosion. In depression, Hiro never enrolls in the school, but he accidentally activates Baymax, Tadashi's grand experiment to create a robotic nurse. The robot is made of inflatable vinyl and can scan for medical issues, and the robot discovers Hiro is suffering from depression. So trying to heal his patient, he goes off to find out why Hiro's one remaining microbot is being pulled towards others when all the others were burned in the fire. The boy and his robot uncovered a masked villain who has manufactured millions of the robots, and the baddie tries to attack Hero and Baymax. Hero programs Baymax with Kung Fu and puts armor on him, and they go back after the masked man, but are handily beaten, rescued only by Tadashi's classmates. Hero then realizes Baymax needs an upgrade, as they all do. They will become a superhero team to fight the masked baddie. Baymax gets new armor and a rocket-powered fist, Gogo is a speedster with electromagnetic wheels. Wasabi gets armor and laser-powered blades on his wrists. Honey Lemon has a purse with chemical pellets that can do a variety of things. Fred, the school mascot, gets a Mudo outfit that can jump high and breathe fire. And Hero, well, he wears a funny outfit and rides on Baymax's back. I think he screws himself out of the powers department there. He's auditioning for Mega Man. <laughs> <laughs> The gang goes after the masked men, and with no planning, they're handily beaten, but unmask the man to discover it's Callahan, who isn't dead after all. And he would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for these damn kids. Yes, we will be talking about <laughs> Scooby-Doo. Callahan faked his death to steal Hero's bots so he could get revenge on Cray, because Cray had tested a teleportation machine, and Callahan's daughter was the test pilot. She went into the machine and never rematerialized, so Callahan wanted to kill Cray and destroy his company. Hero programs Baymax to kill Callahan, but the robot is stopped by the rest of the six. After some drama that I'm sure we'll talk about, the gang regroup and have a final showdown with Callahan as the villain uses one of the teleportation machines to try to suck up Cray and all his items. The six strategize and attack the bots, sending them all into the portal, leaving Callahan disarmed. But in the fight, Baymax's scanner sends Cray's daughter, alive in hypersleep, in the portal. Baymax and Hero fly into the portal and rescue the woman, but Baymax realizes there isn't enough time to escape, so he has to stay behind in the portal, using his rocket fist to get Hero and the woman out before the portal closes. Hero is sad at the loss of his brother's robot, but he discovers in the fist was Baymax's memory card that contains his entire personality and memories. So Hero rebuilds Baymax, and Big Hero 6 are the heroes of San Francisco as credits roll. Now, I just have to say right off the top, San Francisco, couldn't that be seen as like a slur? Like, if you started calling it San Francisco, that's kind of a risky thing. I realize they've done a Japan-San Francisco mashup, but... Yeah, this was a disappointment to me. I, I knew it was San Francisco going in. I'm thinking Blade Runner, where they do so much with the visuals. I don't get a lot of backstory about that world of Blade Runner, but the visuals are so strong. You, you get a feeling for what that future is about. Here, it's San Francisco. The, the Golden Gate Bridge has some Asian adornments on, on the post, and there's some fans floating up, some paper lanterns and fans all up in the air. I don't know what's going on in this future. I, I 
and that's a problem for me. I, I want to know what is this future? What is this setting that we're going to see in this film? It was one of the few things I knew about this movie. Not a surprise to anyone. I, I didn't really watch many trailers for this. I didn't know what it was about. I knew Marvel. I figured superhero, six of them probably. And I knew <laughs> San Francisco, which I liked. I thought that this might be a bridge between East and West animation. I know Disney has worked with Studio Ghibli on releasing some of their films, like Spirited Away and Princess Mononoke. I thought that Miyazaki might have actually been involved here. I was excited to see a collaboration between those two studios. I think that would really make me geek out and be excited for this film. It's uh, San Francisco. I could recognize it. There was a trolley. There were shots of the Pyramid Prudential building. I, I recognized it as San Francisco with a lot more Asian influence. And I wanted to say off the top, Whatever I else I'll say about the movie, I think it looks good. I think that the animation style, the artist rendering this world, I like it. Is it racist to say that Tokyo has taken over San Francisco? Not for me to say. I wasn't offended. No, I'm not offended. I'm actually going to praise this film for its diversity. We have African-American characters, Asian characters, boys, girls. It's a good feeling. I mean, you, you look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, a whole lot more diversity here with Disney, which I think is a great thing, especially for young children to see that. So I'll praise it there. I, I don't get a racist feeling. But as far as the animation goes, all this CGI animation, it just kind of has a generic feel to me. I feel with like the hand-drawn stuff, there's so much room for personality, and I haven't really seen that come with computer animation animated films you know south park's the only one out there they use the same kind of software <laughs> well. but it has a definitely sense of style <laughs> and i feel like all these theatrical films i don't feel a style everyone's kind of got the same skin tones and the way it looks and i would like to see more diversity in the way computer animated films look i love the look of this film i think that there's diversity in the different kinds of shadings and things i i see a difference between how this looks, how Despicable Me looks, how the Lego movie looks. I see a vast difference in those. I mean, just watching the trailers before this film, I can tell a different just saturation levels of the colors. And I find this film, no matter what I think of the plot and everything else that we're going to get into, but visually, I think it's astounding. I saw this in 3D. I thought the 3D was very well done, really yeah. dynamic, good depth. And I love the visuals as they're flying up the Golden Gate Bridge, all of this that's going on, even when they enter the portal other world, and it's like this weird screensaver, I think this movie looked tremendous. Tremendous might be a, a hair stronger than I'd use, but I definitely thought it looked good. Jacob, I think I know what you're talking about in that maybe the characters look like a lot of characters. They could have walked out of Frozen or, or one of the other Walt Disney World. I just want to say that I typically don't like animated movies that use human characters because they don't get the features right. You know, I'm thinking back to the first Toy Story and, and Sid. Yeah, it is an improvement over that. I'll agree with that. Yeah, it's come a long way since I was paying attention to it. And I got to just say that I, I buy it for what it is. It speaks to me as kids animation, though. Whatever that means to me, it feels like something that I would expect to see, although on a higher caliber, a higher budget, but something I would expect to see geared towards kids on Saturday morning, if there was still Saturday morning cartoons <laughs> or just the age range. It announces to me that this was made for 14 and under. It definitely has a soft look to it. I'll agree with that. At no point does it feel like edgy or anything like that. Right. But I just felt like the detail, the depth, it looks 
so much better than like that TMNT animated film we reviewed pretty recently. Yeah, I agree. And that movie tried to be darker. I think it tried to be a little bit more sophisticated. They were shooting for more of our audience, I think, the comic book 20-somethings. And can we all agree this is made for kids and people that like kids' movies? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, this was not made for us. And I think that's evident in that we didn't get that flipping Marvel logo at the beginning with the pages and the comics. If you weren't in it, you didn't know this was a Marvel movie. This was not pushed through the comic sites. You had to be pretty deep to even recognize this was a Marvel property because they were going for the Disney audience. I was honestly surprised that this stayed hero story and didn't become another backdoor princess. Yes. I was really worried about that, actually. I remember Frozen. I remember seeing the trailer for Frozen. It starred a a kind of stupid snowman, and then it became like the biggest movie ever. And I'm like, that stupid snowman movie's big. It, It became a princess movie, and I was worried about that. Everything was Baymax. Every billboard I see is Baymax. Oh, here's the cute robot, and it's gonna turn into a princess movie. It doesn't. Baymax actually is pretty much the star of this film, but I was kinda worried that they're gonna pull a Frozen here and switch it up on me. I'll alter what you say slightly. Baymax isn't the star of this movie. Hero most clearly is the star. He's the one with the character arc, but Baymax is the focal point. He's the one that when they discovered him, they went, aha, this is the thing that we can market. And indeed, the ice cream store connected to my theater was, you literally walked out of the theater and they were pushing you in there to order marshmallow-covered Baymax Sundays. <laughs> I mean, they know that this is their character here, that they have a potential to launch a whole franchise, much like the minions from Despicable Me or those penguins from Madagascar. They could just market Baymax to the max. Going in, I kind of thought they were underutilizing Fred. I thought Fred had the good <laughs> colors and everything. Again, I reviewed the toys, so I'd seen the toy. I'm like, that that toy, that's better than Baymax. I kind of thought Baymax might be the Groot and Fred might be the Rocket Raccoon. Seeing the movie, I think the character of Fred underserves the cool outfit. Yeah, we, we don't even get to Fred or any of the other ones before we properly introduce what's actually a very sad family. I mean, <laughs> how much tragedy? I remember like Bambi lost his mom and, you know, it's usually a part of these stories to deal with death and loss. But poor Hero has got two dead parents by the time he's three. He's going to lose his older brother in this movie. They almost threatened to take Baymax away from him. Uh, He goes through a lot here. I feel for Hero. I can see why he's shut off and surly and why his aunt, his sole care provider, is unable to do anything with him. And yet I feel as watching this as an adult, for kids, uh, it doesn't matter. But for me, okay, their parents are gone. Not sure why. Maybe that's going to be in a sequel. (laughs) Who knows? They're stuck in a portal somewhere. But they're with their aunt to, you know, fine. We could have blended families, but why is their aunt not Asian? I'm just the things I'm wondering as an adult watching this. Good point. You're right. You're right. That is, uh, it's Maya Rudolph. Uh, She does Saturday Night Live, right? Yeah. And she was in Bridesmaid. She's done a lot of movies, pretty big name, very recognizable voice and doing a shtick here that doesn't quite fit in with the rest of the movies, talking about eating hot wings that your ass is going to feel tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. She runs a coffee shop. There's some beat poetry jokes and all of that. But yeah, she's comic relief. She is to put a happy face on what 
it's a very sad family. Hero is shut down. His older brother's going to college. He wants nothing to do with nerd school. He spends all his time fighting and in this mentality of taking people's money. And it's a fun setup because as adults, I imagine none of us were fooled by the fact that he was hustling Yama when we see this setup here. But he is the little meek kid coming in with a, a wad full of money and a very puny looking bot to fight in a cage match with what looks to be like uh, the ultimate robot with saw blades and lasers. It was taking me back to BattleBots, yes. if you guys remember <laughs> that show. But I actually really liked Hero's little bot here because he came in with this silly, like, sharpie drawn face that was yellow and he is doing a good hustle with the first game and yeah we can tell what it is especially i'm seeing all the tells with the second bet he's pulling out a nicely folded wad of dough that's like clipped he's not hustling very convincingly and then the robot switches and his face becomes this evil red face i'm suitably laughing it's obvious but it's amusing yeah, I like when that you get to that second fight and you see, I mean, this is, again, foreshadowing for these microbots. This is just a larger version of it, but you see it break apart and use all its different pieces to beat up that other robot. That's what I really like is that it uses its weapons against it. Yama has something that has saw blades and cool stuff. The other one clearly has none of that, but it doesn't need to. It's so agile and fast and, and can break apart and come together that it can actually just beat him with his own saw blade. That was the delight of this. And I think it's the way you want to play it, right? Because you don't, you got to be a little, a little worried about having kids and weapons, right? These days, if he was heavily armed and all of that, we would feel different. Yeah, I was just shocked when we get to this scene with this battle bot. They have this woman who's taking the bets and she's got like uh, the eye patch. And I don't know. I thought it was kind of edgy for a Disney cartoon. You mean the one that one that was playing Yama beforehand? Yeah, she gets takes a, a licking. Yeah, for a Disney cartoon, maybe a little bit edgy, but not too much. A little bit more edgy is the thought that they're going to break his legs, you know, because he <laughs> hustled them. And that, of course, it's not much different than, I guess, the opening scene of Aladdin where Hero's on the run and Tadashi's trying to help him. And But it's a little different because this feels criminal underworld versus magic carpet. Yeah, exactly. The older brother comes and rescues him, and it establishes this relationship of Hero doesn't listen to anybody except his older brother. And how is this possible? He dropped out of high school. This kid is smart. No, he graduated. He's a genius. Yeah. Oh, he graduated. I couldn't. Okay. I didn't get that. I'm like, why is he not in school at 14? They make some comment about he's not in high school anymore. He already finished it. Okay. He finished high school a year earlier at age 13, and he just has no desire in going higher education. He wants to make money, which I could understand. I don't know that if he's that smart, that bot fighting is the best way to do it. Yeah, he made that bot sell the patent on that thing and then retire. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, he's going to be kind of given that choice here, but we're getting ahead of the movie. Right now, it's, yeah, what is he going to do for the rest of his life? The older brother wants to show him that science is cool. And Disney movies tend to have big themes, wholesome messages, They a spoonful of sugar to coat the, what is medicine here. The medicine is we want kids to embrace science. We need more scientists. We need less celebrities. So they have created a university where whoever you are, whether you're a prissy girl or, you know, whatever ethnicity, you can excel at science. You know what? I'm going to applaud the movie for that. I think it's well-timed, too. I mean, look what came out the exact same day as this, Interstellar, a film that's trying to get 
us to start thinking about space exploration again. And now you have this, a movie that's going to inspire kids that science can be cool. I mean, we're a nation that seems to undervalue education these days. I'm all for a movie that's going to send that kind of message. Yeah, I like most of the messages in this film. I'm not going to have complaints about any of that. Diversity, getting education, all that. It's good stuff. Yeah, typically in a movie like this, I would expect Honey Lemon to be the bad guy or an antagonist of some kind because she has the mannerisms of a ditzy blonde. You see her with her purse and her high-end fashion, and you're like, oh, I know who this is. But no, she's good at science, too. She takes a black tungsten carbide ball and turns it pink, and yeah, her powers are eventually going to come out of a shiny little purse here. The message is, no matter who you are, your life can be better if you learn science. Good message. Yeah. I kind of thought it was going out of both sides of its mouth, giving Honey Lemon the weapon of a purse. (laughs) But I think it's balanced by Gogo Tamago, who going in, I reviewed the figure, I thought it was a he. The fact that that's a she shows a nice range of female characters here. And I love Wasabi. Damon Wayans Jr., two for two this year. Let's Be Cops in this. Good job. Oh, it's Junior. So that is in Damon Wayans. No, I watched Let's Be Cops the whole time, and I'm like, he's making this whole movie like he's pretending to be Damon Wayans doing his I'm a white guy impersonation. (laughs) And then it turns out, no, it's Damon Wayans' son, and that's just how he talks. Better than a white chick's impersonation. (laughs) I will say that the four-year-old I was with, She's very much into the princesses. Her two favorite characters were Gogo and Honey Lemon, but I surprised Gogo was her favorite, even though she tends to be more girly and she really did like Honey Lemon's purse. Gogo was the number one for her, number one character. Very good. Now, of course, I'm of a different generation. It was obvious to me very quickly. uh, You've already kind of mentioned it, Arnie. This is the mystery van, right? These are the (laughs) Scooby-Doo characters, right? Fred is not Fred this time. Uh, Fred and and Scooby-Doo terms, I think, would be uh, Wasabi. You know, he he had the ascot. He was kind of the neat Nick. Wasabi, he's got this whole issue about getting dirty and things being orderly and all of that. And ironically, he got his nickname. They're all given these nicknames from Fred. He got it because he spilled Wasabi on his shirt one time. Now, I know his whole name is Wasabi No Ginger, which is how I like my sushi. Mm. I like Ginger, but uh, we we won't debate that right here. Go-Go to me, she was kind of, yeah, the tomboy, the Velma, Daphne, the girly girl is, of course, Honey Lemon. Fred is our shaggy for this thing. He's not even part of the school. You know, he's a comic book geek, and he just wants these guys to invent comic book science. Yeah, he's the mascot, but I don't get the impression the school has a sports team. He's the mascot, like he just hangs around and cosplays. Right. And which, of course, means we need a Scooby-Doo. And what better than Tadashi's invention? Tadashi really isn't a part of this gang, but his invention is Baymax. And I ask in all seriousness, who wouldn't want to hug a giant marshmallow? I mean, your sexual orientation, your age, gender, whatever. Everyone would want to get a hug from Baymax. Am I right? Hey, if I could get this... Instead of having to pay, you know, insurance for healthcare, you buy one of these and it takes care of me. I'll hug it. All it needs me to hug it. To Seriously, care of me. I would love this if this were my healthcare provider. I don't know that I would want to hug my healthcare provider, <laughs> but I'd at least like one who's as medically competent. I mean, the fact that he can scan and immediately tell you your allergens without needing to put all these Legos into your back that make you itch for two days and know before you're injected. It's not that 
current healthcare providers are bad as people, but that that he can just by looking at you tell your blood type. That means no more deaths by accidental transfusions of the wrong type. I mean, all these little errors, human errors that happen. Yeah, give me the robot that can just look at me and tell me I have an epidural abrasion. And not only that, but he responds when you're in pain, not when you pull your wallet out. You know, that's what I love. <laughs> you just have to say, ow, and he inflates. They're already on it. They don't ask to see your insurance card. Who does that in these days? <laughs> I do think it's great. Yeah, I think Baymax, if they wanted to have a cutesy character, you're right. They had the, the goofy snowman and Frozen, the horse and Tangled, the crab and Little Mermaid. Always, you got to have this character. This is a good iteration of that character. I like Baymax. And what I like about Baymax is it, it this is going to become more central later on in the film, but it's setting up, again, I'm thinking of these young girls that I'm with that are watching this and, and young children watching this. And you watch so much of the other superhero stuff. There's murder and we're going to kill the bad guys here. Here's a hero that's there just to fix things and to solve problems. It's not a violent... He's big and hulking, but he's not a violent character, and I like that. And he looks like he would come from an anime, right? I mean, this doesn't feel like a Western conception at all of a robot. This feels like, yeah, if you go into Little Tokyo or something and play with the knickknacks, you would see a character like this. I don't know. I mean, to me, he either looks like he's going to sell me tires or he's going to try to stomp on the ghost <laughs> in New York. I'm... No, he's like the Kubrick version of that. And I don't mean Stanley Kubrick. I mean, I know the actual toy line, Kubrick. <laughs> he's like the cute manga version of that. Yeah, I mean, he is cute, but it, just the white puffy thing. He, I like the design, but by the same token, I was looking at all the comparatives from modern culture. He, I, The fact that he's made of vinyl, that's... Come on, this thing is set up to be cute to kids. I, I don't know the practicality of a medical device that's a balloon. Right. There's needles and sharp objects when you're getting surgery. I don't know if you want that around a balloon, doctor. Yeah, and then it becomes obviously a punchline later for that very fact when they're going to get into the adventure. It can lift a thousand pounds. I know that they're setting up that he's going to save them from impossible situations, but he's also going to take a licking. And yeah, being full of hot air is really not an asset once he is in the Big Hero 16. Yeah, they really, I think, do him a disservice in the second half of the movie because you've set him up as this lovable type who, I mean... Talk about great health care. He will do anything to help his patient. And it's not just physical care. It's recognizing depression as an illness. Yeah, mental care, holistic care. You don't even get this with modern day insurance. No. And it's going to do whatever it takes to help him. But once it becomes the battle bot later on and gets programmed with Kung Fu, I feel like Baymax loses his personality. It becomes a different Baymax. It's almost like a Bruce Banner Hulk kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even talking about the brief scene where he turns evil. That said, as great as Baymax is, it's not the selling point for this university. I think Hero would have said no to all of this. What is the selling point is that Robert Callahan is their mentor and that he is this superstar scientist who has the invented the laws of robotics and that like if you ever had any question about making a battle bot, you'd want to ask Robert Callahan. I knew coming in that there was a masked bad guy. So we can give him a name. The action figure is actually called Yokai. Yokai, okay. Which is Japanese for phantom or spirit. 
I called him Kabuki because the mask he wears is a is one that a Kabuki dancer performer would wear. Yeah. And I'm trying to think who is under that mask. And I had three suspicions coming in just because I've seen a Scooby-Doo episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know it's not who it's supposed to be. They have a an obvious culprit that it cannot be. Yeah. The three options were... Cray, who, as I said in the plot summary, is this wealthy businessman who we're told not to trust. And I'm like, that is way too obvious. If it's really Cray, I'm going to be disappointed in this film. Yeah, as soon as I met Cray, I knew who the villain was, and it wasn't Cray. Yes. Option two, I then they were going to do a switch on us, because after the big microbot exhibition, two characters seem to die. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I think one of them lived. There's this Robert Callahan who were introduced to once, but is Hero's Idol. And then there's Tadashi. And I had to wonder, was this brother not as nice as he seemed? Would this movie go so dark as your brother actually stole your own invention for some nefarious reason? Those were my bigger suspects than Cray. Yeah, you, your mind went to where mine went to, and I, it, it wasn't that it was a dark answer, it was just that we recently reviewed the movie Speed Racer, and uh, spoiler alert for that movie for those that didn't donate in here, but yeah, Speed's older brother ends up coming back as an, another character who seems like he's got a bad aim. I thought for sure they weren't going to kill another family member of heroes. So yeah, my suspicion was that who was under the mask, Tadashi, the older brother that brought him to the university. I couldn't imagine why he suddenly was amassing the microbrots that it, the microbrot, <laughs> microbrots, is that what you the do micro, I would like some microbrots right now. I am hungry. <laughs> Actually, some regular brats. But he w- would he be using his brother's microbrot? <sighs> <laughs> I couldn't imagine why he would be amassing his brother's microbots and 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 building this army and and being this way. I thought that that would be told in the reveal. I thought maybe Kabuki would end up being a more benevolent character than he ends up being. But yeah, I never came around to Callahan. For some reason, I never suspected that the mentor was going to be the one behind the mask. And I went to Callahan as soon as we were introduced to Cray and told not to trust him. I'm like, <laughs> okay, he's too obvious to be the bad guy. It's going to be the professor. Right. Yeah, we knew that it couldn't be Cray. Cray gives the choice. Hero is uh, auditioning to get into this university. He's basically dissembled his battle bot and turned it into microbots. And that we've seen a very cool demonstration in which they can do whatever you imagine when you put on a, what is that, some kind of telepathic headband? They have this already. There's some kind of toy where you can, like, make balls go through hoops and stuff with your mind. Arnie, don't you have that? Isn't that the Force game? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the, it's called the force trainer where you use a headband to control a fan that makes a ball float. So yes, it, uh, there are ways of measuring brain waves to control machines. It's rudimentary. Does it work? You know what? I, I, I want I want one. <laughs> I went through an entire test and I can't truthfully discern if it's actually measuring brainwaves or if it's just a fan on random and you think it's measuring brainwaves or it's measuring <laughs> body temperature or something okay. like that. But my contacts at the company tell me, no, it's actually re- reading your alpha waves and your beta waves and controlling fan speed based on that and that things are going that way. And between registering eye movements and very imperceptible to most people body language yeah it's possible to start controlling things in that way in 20 to 50 years 
Well, here's a toy I actually want to buy then. If, if they make a big <laughs> Hero 6 game like this, I will buy the Microbot headband thing because this is cool. But that's what he presents to get in the school. It works. And then we have, will he take the degree to go to school and get an education? Or will he do what everyone else would do <laughs> and sell out to the private I- industry and retire at 14? Why can't he do both? He doesn't need an education. He's made these microbots. Did you see what he just made? What is he going to learn from school? That's true. He could take the money and then get the honorary doctorate. He could build his own university. (laughs) Yeah. Why can't he do both? Why can't he sell the microbots and use it to pay tuition? I mean, it's not like by going to the school, the school is going to get the patent on the microbots. If that was the case, Callahan wouldn't have to steal them in the first place. Yeah, it might be. I don't know. Did Callahan steal them? Because all I know is Hero makes, quote unquote, the right choice. He says, no, I want to get my education, does not sell out to Cray, and he goes outside to see his brother, and suddenly the place is burning down. So that was an arson set by Callahan. Yes, Callahan, we see it in flashback later on. Callahan grabbed the headband, surrounded himself in the microbots so he'd be protected, and burned down the building so that everyone would think he was dead and the microbots destroyed, and then he could go off and I guess manufacture a ton more, because he has far more than Hero ever had on stage, and get his revenge. This is a long-seated plot, and he just sees the opportunity with very little hesitation to fake his own death. Was he convincing people to apply to the school so he could find that right invention to steal to get revenge on Cray? Like, that's what I have to assume. I think it's kind of poorly told here. Like, at some point we're told, oh, all the microbots were destroyed in the fire. I thought that was weird. I'm like, well, where's the microbots? We don't, we get that told later when they find that single one that's still functioning. Not the clearest of storytelling here. And I, I still don't understand. Why does Callahan wait for this moment? I, I guess he was just, he was waiting to steal the right invention, right? Well, I will point out this script went through a couple different teams. It looks like four different teams worked on this story. And I can feel that in certain places. I can see that motivations are a little bit muddy. This one was a little muddy for me. I get that Callahan wants to get revenge and wants to use this device for revenge. There's no reason to believe that he'd want to burn down his own school and kill one of his prized students to do that. The really horrible thing is that Tadashi dies trying to save him. But he didn't know he was going to kill the student. He thought everyone was out of the building, and Tadashi ran back in to save the professor. Callahan doesn't show much remorse about it. He's like, well, that's his fault. Yeah, very, yeah, the opposite of remorse. But he wasn't trying to kill someone. He had intended to make that a semi-victimless crime. He was just going to burn up all their inventions. And why he had to fake his own death pointless <laughs> it would have been better if he had an alibi and he was like no i'm here making robots at the university what are you talking about yeah yeah we'll talk about it as we get into why he does it but the next part of it is the mystery part in which poor hero he withdraws from the university withdraws from friends fortunately he says ouch so it at least forces him to deal with baymax and we can get the rest of this movie but probably would have gone back to yeah hustling battle bots had uh, baymax not found the one microbot he had left and followed it to a warehouse. Baymax activating there. I mean, it got some good jokes. The 
couple of kids in the audience laughed at mentions of puberty. Yeah, that was a little risque, I gotta say. Yeah, yeah the hair might grow here kind of <laughs> joke, and they had to cut that off. That one is the one that kind of guaranteed them the PG, right? Yeah. yeah. Fortunately, we didn't have to have a birds and bees talk on the way home. That wasn't brought up. Not one of the jokes brought up by the kids. That's what I figured, is that if they hadn't heard that about that already, it would wash right over them. Give them a couple more years, and when they rewatch this on DVD, they'll know what Baymax was talking about. Yeah, but we are 30 minutes into the movie. I was keeping track of the time, and that's the right time that we start investigating the crime. But a lot has happened in that first 30 minutes. I mean, we've been introduced to the team, the brothers died, and we've gone through depression, but now Baymax is on the case. He's following that. I gotta say, I love how Baymax moves. He can't really move his legs very much. He seems like he'd be really easy for Hero to catch up to, but he hops a trolley and keeps going. He does have that adorable quality to him, an endless innocence. Yes. Yeah, and it does set it up for a lot of humor when he first pops up. He always kind of looks around to see how he can move towards the victim that he's trying to help, and he has to squeeze through the bed, and he's, yeah, just kind of wobbling down the streets of San Francisco here. It's it's funny stuff. They designed it to be cute, to be funny. It works. Yeah, I'm completely satisfied with this being the movie. I knew that this was going to be the movie. It's not in the comic. I can rest assured that if I picked up any issue, we wouldn't have any of this kind of adorableness, right? No PB turning into a dragon. Okay. <laughs> Except Marvel isn't publishing any comics with these characters at all. Right. No, I understand that. <laughs> but I'm just saying that if I were to somehow conjure up an old comic, it wouldn't have any of this. This feels like a Disney movie. It is a Disney movie. All right. So the villain, he's got the micro bots and he is what what's the plan he's making more of them yeah i think we've uncovered his manufacturing station in an abandoned warehouse in san francisco so he just needs a lot of them to pull off the thing he's going to do in the third act that's basically it as soon as he's made enough he can just do it he's not really going to hurt anybody else although it seems like everything he's going through is really pointless because once you have the microbots you can basically do anything and kill anyone, right? They become anything you want. You you want a spear? Become a spear. They can build things. Yeah. You want a cannon? You could have a microbot cannon that shoots out more microbots. I don't even think you need gunpowder because there's so many magnets involved. So <laughs> his whole plan hinges on irony. Because, I mean, I talked about it in the plot summary. His daughter went into a portal, so he wants to kill Cray with a portal. And so to do that, he has to build a portal. And to do that... He needs a lot of microbots. I'm giving conjecture. All it really is now is going to be 30 to 45 minutes of extending this movie through action. And so he's in a warehouse so that we can have an action scene. And then he's on the boat dock so we can have another <laughs> action scene. And then he's on an island so we can have another action scene. Yeah, I feel like there's no real motivation behind any of this revenge plot, which is a bad thing because that's the whole movie. Like, that's the villain's whole thing. But I will say these microbots, I like the way they move. Here's a part of the animation I really like, kind of these angular movements. And it, it almost reminded me of the Sentinels from the Matrix with all their arms. It, I thought that animation was really cool, the, the way they chased Baymax yeah. and Hero through the warehouse. I will say, though, if you got kids, the four-year-old thought it was a little bit scary when those microbots were chasing them. So just something to be aware of if you have a sensitive younger child. Yeah, I can believe that. Yeah, I can see that. I thought it was really cool. It was reminding me of the blob. Because everywhere Baymax and Hero went, they went under the 
ground. They went under the girders and the microbots were under there and you just see it on top. It was really, every time they go up against yokai here, I thought that there was no way to escape. There's just too many of them. They can swarm over everything. I'm willing to bet that in some drafts of this, they would get to the idea that using this technology gave one the propensity to come up with malevolent thoughts, that maybe he was perverted or tainted, but they don't want to sell that message, right? Science is cool. Inventing things is cool. We don't want to say that Hero's device would lead to any kind of negative consequences. So, yeah, they kind of waffle on it. I think the message is always, science is good, its uses can be bad. Right. Yeah, because we'll see what Hero does with Baymax later on. It's Science is neutral, it's the user who bends it towards good or evil. But it is a good action scene. I like the attempts at Baymax to be tough here. Punch down the door, and he yeah. you know, can't do it with the balloon. I am suitably amused during all of this, but all this is is an origin story. We gotta have Baymax not good enough so that we can armor him up. After a couple of funny jokes, I mean, this was the first trailer, going to the police station while his balloon yeah. is leaking, and then his battery dies and he acts all drunk, and I mean, I've been just laughing for days at Harry, baby. Yes, the children in the audience were cracking up, and it was funny. I did find it weird, though, that that battery issue never comes up later on it feels like you set that up so that's like that's a piece of peril towards the end is that battery's gonna die i bet it was in some draft you know hero <laughs> is the one that pointed out when he first got the invention he was like oh you need to change the battery on that i think it's just letting you know that hero is going to take his brother's idea and run with it i love that Baymax had like an iPhone docking station where he charged, yes. <laughs> but he was not in there at all long enough to charge. I want the iPhone that can charge as quickly as Baymax. He stands in that thing for like 30 seconds and he's fine. My one question about this whole scenario, I get it as far as comedy. You always want to have the kids doing something that the adults are unaware of and wouldn't approve of if they are. But is there any reason not to tell Aunt Cass about Baymax? Yeah, I'm right there with you. There's so many things. I'm. It's funny. It's a good action scene. I don't understand motivations behind just about anything that happens in this film. Okay, well then, yeah, it didn't really seem to make any sense other than, like I said, it, it's funny because you have her watching TV not noticing this giant thing walking in the background and, and acting drunk. Yeah. Comedy, great. Logic, I don't know. I felt like they could build her a suit. They could be Big Hero 7 if you wanted. She seemed like she was game for anything. She was very supportive of her kids or her sister's kids. Yeah, I didn't understand that. I think it just is a trope, right? Anytime you have a film with a kid, they can't let the parents know. It's like, e I was getting a lot of E.T. out of this. And oh, yeah. Yeah, Baymax was E.T. <laughs> and Hero was Elliot. And I didn't question it any further than that. But yeah, I don't know why you just don't show her the robot and she obviously knows about the microbots. She was there at the science experiment. Yeah. Okay. So there it is. The point is, we don't want any crummy adults mucking up a teenage adventure story. And so the heroes that he's going to amass are his college friends. Who aren't even his friends. It's his brother's <laughs> yes, friends. Yes. But if you want to talk rote, I mean, this stuff, we've seen this a million times, haven't we? Let's all get powers. But I like how they come together. I, he calls them all and they all meet at the dock 
for our next big action sequence. And that was a great sequence to feature really Wasabi and Go-Go because Wasabi's driving and he's still signaling. And and they are in a mystery van. <laughs> they yep. have a very Scooby-Doo van. Mm-hmm. It is. But yeah, it, it is the one time we got a sense of their characters that Wasabi is going to obey traffic laws even when giant waves of microbots are about to grab them and crush them. And I like that Gogo just takes over, too. And this is how you drive in a chase. It's honestly probably the best scene anyone not named Hero or Baymax gets in this film. (laughs) You're right about that. It might be Big Hero 6, but only two really matter here. And that's fine. I mean, I like Hero. I like Baymax. These other ones are good enough. But no one's going to be thinking about them after the credits roll. Yeah, the only thing I'm thinking about is why are they even agreeing to this plan to become superheroes? I get why Fred would do it. Fred (laughs) wants to be a superhero. The rest of them? Like, really, we're going to make suits? Baymax convinces them. He says, during a time of grieving, people need friends to be supportive. So they're just... So you become real-life superheroes? <laughs> yeah, this is... Uh... How much convincing would it take if I told you you could be a superhero, Jacob? I mean, if I said, hey, let's take this thing you did, you could be a superhero with it. Would I really have to push that hard? I guess maybe if I had science like they do in this film. Right, and Fred has a deep pockets. I mean, he lives in a mansion. He's got this butler, Heathcliff and his parents are away, but he has access to the credit cards, I guess. So he can have all the fake toy versions. Yeah, why not just build the real stuff if Hero knows how to do it? Yeah, and I think he has the fortune from the Marvel Comics Empire. I thought the only (laughs) Stan Lee cameo we'd get, I was wrong, but when he looks at his parents on the wall, his dad is Stan Lee, who's in his 90s, and Fred's probably 20-something, so good for you, Stan. (laughs) I was surprised we got a Stan Lee cameo here, seeing that this has nothing to do with Marvel otherwise. I guess Stan Lee, he'll show up in anything. (laughs) Yeah, I caught it. I was like, I know who that is. It was like a delayed response, but they clearly walk by and point out. I don't know who the wife would have been, but uh, I saw Stan. Yeah, my eyes were on Stan. I didn't pay attention to the wife. Maybe it was Stan's real life wife. Who knows? But yeah, Fred's got this nice mansion, definitely shades of Batman here and he finally gets his powers. I mean, everybody else's is based on what we saw earlier. Earlier, Wasabi, no ginger, was testing lasers. So he gets a green outfit with laser knife fists. And Gogo Tamago was working on electromagnetic wheels. So she's a speedster that has the wheels on her ankles there. And so she's basically a human segue. Honey Lemon was working with chemicals. So she adds them to her purse. Fred, he was the mascot. So let's make him... <laughs> I did love that. I love he becomes a mascot. I love that character design even more than Baymax, though. The purple colors, the third eye, the breathing fire, the fact that it's just a costume. So later on, he's like, my arms are trapped. Wait, it's just a costume. I can take my arms out of it. He was my favorite of the six, but basically it's like the doors. Are you really into Ray or John? No, everybody's there for Jim. And that's the case here. Although, again, I say, Hero screwed himself in the powers department. He has a suit with magnetic knees so he can literally ride Baymax's back. Yeah, he's Master Blaster from Beyond Thunderdome. <laughs> yeah, that's all he does is sit on the back of Baymax. <laughs> Best reference ever. I haven't seen it, but I do actually know what you're referring to. I've seen enough of it to know what Master Blaster is. Yeah, I couldn't believe he didn't have, like, guns or something. Like, the whole time, like, that's his whole thing. He's just going to ride around on Baymax and fly. He had so much science. Why not make his own microbots so that was his power or something, too? But Baymax is his. I mean, yes, Baymax is an individual and he counts as one of the six. But my sense is that 
Hero in the beginning of this was, was playing with fighting robots. I think he thinks he can turn Baymax into one of those. Yeah, it's just I feel like if they're six, they, they got to be individual, distinct. They go into Voltron mode. I don't know. Now it's a little different to me. And they're not called Big Hero 6 yet. That won't come until the very last seconds of the movie. Right now, they're just people that finally have the powers they've always wanted. Fred thinks they're Fred's angels. I kind of like that. I mean, he (laughs) did bankroll the thing. Sure, why not? I mean, you can put whatever you want on the insignia, right? If you fund it. But Baymax was a health provider first and foremost he scanned the kabuki character and so they can find him now they can go fly up to a blimp scan the whole city and find that their enemy is hiding in this quarantine island uh, off the coast yeah i thought it was alcatraz was it not san francisco has a couple islands and some of them do have buried radioactive waste i wouldn't go playing around in Uh, (laughs) this is a real thing so i'm not sure which one i think just for san francisco tourism they just decided to skip over what it could be but yeah it could be the alcatraz island there's certainly a containment area that they have to laser through and that's where we get the exposition video that explains all of the backstory i am gonna ding the film for drawing this out way too damn long because we get to see half the video here where it makes it really look like crazy the bad guy and i'm like i know there's more to this video they even say we need there's more here but It shows Cray having a motivation. They're like, why are we here? There's these broken teleportation things. We see Cray testing the teleportation. A girl jumps in a rocket because I guess Cray's too good for a monkey. That's what's so weird to me. Like, teleportation, we're revolutionizing travel. But you got to have, like, this space pod to fly through. I thought you just walked through the portal. Yeah, he just threw the hat. There was no space pod in the hat. But this girl's in the space pod to go through this thing. She gets trapped there. And so the general cuts Cray's funding. And so it makes it look like Cray wants revenge for this. And how many times have we seen that exact plot anyway? It's a wonderful trope that they can point out that little kids may never have seen. And thus it sounds new to them. Anyone who's seen an episode of Knight Rider or half the superhero movies we've reviewed would recognize that as a reasonable plot. Yeah, I couldn't figure out why, if this were the case, if it were Cray behind the mask, why he'd want microbots. Uh, No, he needs to fix his device. But microbots could do that. Could they? They can build anything. Well, yeah, but they can only do what you can imagine. If he knows how to fix it, all right, it might come along faster, but I was never convinced by their rushed reciting of motivations that that would make any sense. I kept waiting to see who was going to be behind the mask, and after a big fight, we do find out. It was not who I thought it would be. And the fight, Big Hero 6 loses, and Wasabi's the one who points out why. What's the plan? The plans take off the mask. They all act independently. They're not a team, and so Yoki ends up making them use their weapons against each other. Honey lemons, sticky goose, trips up Gogo Tamago, and they end up down, but yet they still somehow get the mask off, and old Professor Callahan... (laughs) I never guessed! (laughs) (laughs) And this is the moment this motivates because Hero lost his brother due to Callahan. He takes the medical care disc out of Baymax. Baymax now only has the Kung Fu disc, so he hulks out and goes crazy. He orders him to kill Callahan. Right, and this brings us back really to the beginning. You know, he started wanting to just build robots that beat things and fighting, and, you know, he was about anger and aggression, and why wouldn't he be an angry kid? He's an orphan. Now he's lost his brother. He has no mentors. Even as the teacher he 
admired. Now he's a bad guy. I'd want to kill him too. I understand why Hero is so angry. And of course, even though I know we shouldn't root for vengeance and bloodthirstiness, I know where he's coming from in this. And then so I now can see that, yeah, they're going to draw a parallel between Callahan wanting vengeance for his daughter because the pilot that went into that teleportation, that was his child and Hero losing his brother. And I like this. It's very rudimentary, but this is a film for children. And again, so many of the Marvel and DC films are there for adults and they're violent and there's vengeance, even on the hero side. I like that there's this morality tale yeah. here. You know, even if you want vengeance, you still got to be the good guy. That's what separates the good guys from the bad guys is you don't try to kill them. You try to bring them to justice. Use your head. Don't use your fists. I think that's the message here. But he is stopped by the other six. I mean, I could go with him killing Callahan, but when he starts knocking down Wasabi and things, I think that really drives home to even the youngest member that this isn't a good thing. And so one of the six gets the chip back in him, but it really does drive a rift and it shows how useless the rest of the six are because Baymax's scanner is broken. So Hero and Baymax just fly off. Baymax can fly after the latest upgrade and leave the rest of them on the <laughs> island. They're just left on an island. No way to get off. Well, you know, Fred's got connections. Uh, the butler, <laughs> the long-suffering butler that's already <laughs> covered in goo and been put through all these kinds of tests. is Yeah, he's got a helicopter. He gets him off somehow. I'm not worried about the other gang. I'm never thinking about them, frankly. They're an amusing chorus. They're not the characters of this story. And they're quick to forgive. They're not mad at the mistreatment. They just want Hero to recognize the error of his ways. That when he's trying to stick a the trip in and to basically remove all of his older brother's programming, what his brother intended for this robot to get rid of that so that he could turn it into one of his battle bots. Yeah, he's really regressing. And I can get why he wants to be that kid, you know, that he lost his parents. He can only think about his anger and his fighting. And that's why he could only develop science for robots to hurt and punch and all of that. I think that, yeah, that's where he is emotionally. I'm glad that he's able to have friends to help him point out that yeah, I guess Baymax looks kind of like a ghost, too. He doesn't just have to be a robot. He can be a, a ghost of, of what it became of his brother, the legacy. He keeps saying Tadashi is here. I thought they literally meant like Tadashi had downloaded his consciousness. Yes. Him. I thought that was going to be the reveal. I did, too. Yeah, they could have gone that way. I mean, it's just so reiterated, said so many times, and Hero just writes him off going, oh, yeah, they all say he's not really gone if we remember him. It turns out... No, he's just, we got some video of him testing Baymax. Sure, it's nice when a loved one dies to remember happy times, but that's not the same. And it seems like there should have been more of a parallel. We see what Tadashi is doing is just all these failed attempts. And he has to do Baymax like 38 times till he gets it right. And I wish that was a struggle that Hero was going through to keep on persevering. I don't know why that particular video speaks to him, except it's reminding him of his brother. But yeah, conflict resolved, uh, all that tension, he comes to see the error of his ways, they reunite for a big climax, that we finally have Kabuki doing the plot that he could have done, I don't know, before all of this chasing. He is going to suck up all of the Cray Tech buildings and leave his enemy with nothing. Talk about a Bond-ass villain speech. It's like, just kill the guy. You want to kill Cray, but no, you're going to make him watch his building get sucked up first? You are really giving a lot of leeway to for this plan to not work. Does Cray not have a 
daughter or a wife or a girlfriend you could go after. You have to go after his building. It's not quite the same to me. Yeah, but it makes sense for the terms of this plot. I mean, yeah, you could, but that would look scary, right? If we saw that Callahan was going to hurt individuals, it it wouldn't mean the same thing as taking away his legacy and and all of that. The reason why the daughter is in the alternate world is because Cray valued his scientific inventions over people. That's what you do here. I think this is a fine kind Max for establishing that, and Bondian is the way to go. And Bond, the team must? You know, this, again, I feel like I know where this story's going. The team comes together, they're going to fail, and now they're going to come together and it's going to work. It takes them a while to figure out the plan, and Wasabi's praising this plan. Now that's a plan. I, okay, <laughs> we're going to make sure the microbots fall apart and get sucked up? Well, it's, they kept saying the plan was go for the mask, and the microbots are too good a defense. They can't get to the mask to take away his control of the bots. And so I guess Hero's power, he doesn't have a cool suit. Well, he has a cool suit, but it doesn't do anything. His power is he's the smartest one of the genius group. And so he realizes we could just have the battle bots sucked up in there. And that leaves him with nothing. Instead of making the bots useless by taking the headband, make the headband useless by taking the bots. It's actually a clever solution. And the high point of this entirely rote trite seen it a million times ending where i've praised the cgi animation in this but this end action scene they kind of lost track of space the distance between the characters wasabi gets enveloped in these things you're not sure where he is in relation to everyone else it just felt like a really scattered ending that wasn't using the team effectively when i think back on some of our reviews of team movies like the first x-men film or fantastic four movies the key to a team movie the hard part is having an ending where everyone is equally balanced here what do they do they cut up a few bots but this is Heroes movie, not Big Hero 6. It's just it's just a poor name. And they should have just named this like Baymax the film or something like that <laughs> and gotten rid of the rest of the six. Cut every possible tie to Marvel. No, or, or give them more to do. I, I don't. Well, yeah, I mean, with the script you have. Otherwise, yes, give them something to do. They are so underserviced in this lackluster fight of an end. Yeah, I just don't get why these microbots smash apart like Legos. I thought their whole deal was that they stay together and they move around as one unit. So that that's what confused me. And yeah, you're right, Artie, this end climax, like at one point Wasabi's like, there's something wrong with gravity. I'm like, is that because of the portal sucking thing so they could jump higher and- Just don't ask Michael Caine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's kind of amusing to me because I can see what they're trying to do. At some point, they're all struggling and Hero tells them, you have to think your way out of the problem. You know, like the idea is not to be focused on one solution, but to be creative, to use your mind. This movie is trying to tell you, you can use your mind. You don't have to fight and punch things. But they only use their mind so they can get out of that situation and then fight and punch things. I mean, (laughs) yeah, so they can punch things differently. Yeah, this still at the end of the day is about people putting on cool gear and being up on each other. And even if they want to sell the science brain power kind of message, they don't get away from that. And I don't think our audience would want that. You guys say it's rote. It wouldn't be for the audience watching this. They wouldn't have seen the umpteen million superhero movies that we all have. This would be exciting for them. Oh, it was. Both the the four and the eight-year-old edge of their seat 
tense, wondering what was going to happen. So it works for that audience that I'm sure this is really going for. Yeah, for us, I agree. My pulse didn't rise throughout this movie, but I didn't mind it. I did have to say, I was wondering if they would go where they did at the end. My whole feeling was rather than destroy legacies or put on kabuki masks and make microbots do things, why not try to open up that teleportation port and see if your daughter's (laughs) inside? She is, by the way. You could have had her and and not had to go through all this rigmarole. I never thought she was alive, though. I really didn't. Really? I thought she'd be alive. I thought Tadashi might be in there, too. I keep (laughs) waiting for that brother to come back. I didn't even understand what this portal was. It goes, I don't know, into some other dimension. I figured she got lost. Maybe she ended up in the middle of the ocean and drowned or something. Who knows? I didn't imagine there was all these pink swirly clouds that you'd have to navigate through. That's why she has to have a little vehicle to get through hyperspace, I guess. The entire inside of a portal reminded me of something that I can't say in a podcast about a (laughs) PG-rated movie. That's all. Got it, got it. (laughs) Yeah, the adult audience gets that joke, Arnie. And yes, let's leave it there. But uh, they don't leave her there. They go in, of course, Hero and Baymax go in there to save her. And they, I wondered if they were going to do it. You got to wonder. We all love Baymax. They've been pushing Baymax. Baymax is our hero. But Hero, our character, he needs to grow up and mature. Does he need another death? Does he need more loss? I was so torn on what would really happen here, because on the one hand, I'm thinking, does Marvel really not talk to Disney? Didn't we just see this with Groot? But on the (laughs) other hand, I'm thinking, like, puff the magic dragon and everything. Your imaginary creature has to go away, and you have to mature and grow up. And they're going to split the difference. I bet you there were drafts where they did that, and and it stayed that way. But yeah, there's no way they can sell a million different Baymaxes and then say he's gone. Even bring him back in a sequel, that wouldn't be satisfying. We need to know in this movie that he is still going to be Hero's friend. There was crying. I mean, masses of sniffling instantly, too. I got to say, the waterworks, it was like flipping a switch. All of a sudden, every child is weeping. I was not. You know, that dog cartoon got me. And the rest of this... No, I I think it's because the dog cartoon was so damn moving that by the time we got to the rest of this, it just all seemed so generic. No, Arnie, I'm not even a pet person. I I never want a pet dog or any kind of pet. But yeah, Feast had more emotion, more of a character arc, I felt, than anything in Big Hero 6. I, I was more moved in that seven minutes or however long it was than I was during this entire film. And I was kind of just looking at the clock by this point, you know, wondering how long it was going to take us to get out of the parking lot. Yeah. They get Abigail out. She's only going to come return to a world in which her dad is a criminal being thrown in jail, but she's at least free and alive. And Hero is left with the rocket arm that he designed, which just so happens to have that chip that allows him to rebuild Baymax 3.0 cheat it really is because how could he fire the rocket with i guess he could have he had the kung fu disc in him still oh come on guys just give the movie this (laughs) they had to get baymax back i buy it it's as good as it needs to be see and i thought the whole point was that hero was gonna have to go and design something benevolent now he was gonna create his own baymax and tap into his brother's kindness and and put that vengeance to the side i thought that would have been a stronger message 
Yeah, it would have been a way to go, but we wouldn't want J-Max or Gray-Max. You know, we want Bay-Max at this point. You sold us Bay-Max, no other one will do. It has to look the same, it has to be the same. And I think the message of that people that die are still with us, that we have the brother in ghost form here, is something that... It doesn't come through as clearly as I'd like in the script, but it's there. And I think that that's something they want to tell children that have lost. I think because coming so hot on the heels of Guardians just two months ago and seeing how well they handled Groot and baby Groot, that this just feels so trite to me. I think it would have packed more punch if we'd seen Hero deal with loss poorly and we see Hero has matured and is able to deal with loss better now. Instead, they choose to go the toyetic route. Hey, let's put them in a Happy Meal toy, and kids won't want a Happy Meal toy about a dead robot. Yeah, and this ending, boy, they, they just like pose like it is a poster here. I mean, it's just like, and we're big Hero 6, ba-dum! Again, motivation's a big problem for this film. They go on to be superheroes. I'm not sure why. There didn't seem to be a big crime problem in San Francisco before. They're but- busting the battle bot ring! Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, they're setting it up where they could do a sequel. Not that I've seen Disney do a whole lot of sequels, but Pixar did some Toy Story sequels and Monsters University and things. So they could go that route if the film's successful enough. Uh, Yeah, they made Rescuers too, Arnie. They'll make a sequel to this. (laughs) (laughs) I'd forgotten about that. Cinderella 3. What part of Happily Ever After don't they get? Yeah, they'll they'll keep this thing going. Even if it's in home viewing formats and not theatrically again, I'm sure that we're not done with Big Hero 6. But we are for now. Except for the after credit scene. Stan Lee cameo. They actually got him in a sound booth or on a telephone. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> so he could recite the underwear thing? He's a superhero? Fred finds, like, the secret green goblin cave behind a painting? Yeah, his mother and father are secretly superheroes is the way I took it. They're the Incredibles all of a sudden. Oh, that's what that means? Okay, I took it that he was literally Stan Lee, and I just thought he liked to have superhero apparel. Like, he would have all of that lying around because of the merchandise people. Like, I didn't take it that he was actual (laughs) superhero, but he's Batman. Okay. But... I was starting to do research. I'm like, is that outfit a pattern of somebody? It's- it kind of looked like the Nova Corps from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I was thinking Nova Corps, but couldn't quite figure it out. And I guess it's just he's a superhero. Maybe next time it's Big Hero 7? Probably not. <laughs> like I said, I kept thinking that like if Stanley died during production, they might have been counting on that. They would just say that he was dead and, and the, that it would end on that photo again. And, and, you know, hell, all the other parents are dying in this. It just seemed like this could have been the way to say goodbye to Stan. But I don't think they're going to let Stan fight crime next time. Well, do we want there to be a next time? Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Big Hero 6? Jacob. You know, that question is, am I satisfied with my care? And as a child care or something to kill 90 minutes, you know what? Those two girls were thoroughly entertained. And this isn't even a real princessy movie. There are female characters. I like the diversity. I think that's a great thing to see with gender and with race. And they were entertained. That's the key market. So if you have kids, yeah, they're going to like this. As an adult, if you're babysitting, if you're taking them to the theater to have a family night out, are you going to be entertained? Are you going to be satisfied with this care? Yeah, probably. I laughed. I chuckled. I wasn't completely bored towards the end. It kind of wore on me and I wanted it to wrap up during that big final battle, but it was good enough. It's it's in line with the other modern Disney CGI films that I've seen, Tangled and Wreck-It Ralph. They're okay. 
their acceptable way to kill 90 minutes. And, you know, there could be stronger storytelling here. This isn't the golden age of Pixar storytelling going on. I'm, I don't know people's motivations in this film. I don't understand this whole revenge plot. But as kids entertainment, it's passable. It's a recommend. That's right. You got to set your expectations correctly. This is Disney. This is not Pixar. This is a fine Disney movie. It was as good as Wreck-It Ralph, Frozen, Tangled, all the other ones that I watched. It's on that level. I think the animation is great. I think that Baymax is cute. And yeah, I completely followed the story, thought it had good messages for kids that they're going to hear and appreciate. Success. But... Is this something that, yeah, I'll savor and think about? Pixar did this movie already. It was called The Incredibles. I love that movie. That movie had genuine heart. Pixar, in its prime, and it may be past its prime, I don't know, I haven't watched a lot of their more recent films, but in their best years, they could tell a story that at any age you would really latch onto and like. I would often say, I don't like animated films, but I'll watch a Pixar film. And Incredibles had heart, it had... Everything this movie did times a thousand. This is nothing compared to that. So if your standard is to get a great Pixar animated movie, lower them. Lower them far, far down to just being a fun cartoon you'll get through with minimal injury. Recommend. May have to revisit The Incredibles someday because I remember seeing that in theaters the only time I saw it. And I didn't like that one. What? Yeah. You're heartless, Artie. You're heartless. How is that possible? I thought it was a Fantastic Four ripoff with an obvious villain twist. It's the best Fantastic Four film out there. Well, this has got a Green Lantern ripoff in it. I mean, you know, the, the reference. Oh, well. Yeah, another show. <laughs> another show. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell there is one there. Yeah. I only saw it the once, and maybe my expectations were too high. But in relation, this one, I'd say, was on par with my middling thoughts on Incredibles, you know? This isn't an incredible movie. If I watch it again, I'm only going to watch it because there are a ton of Marvel Easter eggs in there. I mean, there's the Torpedo, if you look close enough. There's Black Talon, Orca. I mean, just everything in Fred's room. I I want to freeze frame that Blu-ray on a big screen to see all the stuff in there. But that's the only reason I would revisit Big Hero 6. It's... Kind of like it's hero. It's like a big thing of cotton candy that goes down easily, but it has no aftertaste or long-lasting effects. It, it, I don't even think it's that good for you. Jacob, you keep citing the positive message of diversity. Every damn team movie has that now. Every single one. You got to bring in every culture, every gender. I, I would like to see one Marvel film like that where the main superhero, Avengers 2 maybe, we'll see it. Maybe. I mean, the main guy being Asian is a different thing. But you talked about the diversity, the inclusion of females. These females are underserved. They're there, but they're not featured. And No, everything's underserved in this film. <laughs> yeah, everything but Hero and Baymax. And Baymax is as white as you get. Yeah, I don't know how progressive it is when it says that your life can be better with science, but the Asians will always be better at it than you. <laughs> <laughs> but... In the end, it's a recommend. It's a fine movie. It was diverting enough. It's kind of like the Fallout Boy song that they feature in it. You know, it's not going to turn me away. It's fine. I think it's the best movie that came out last weekend. I'll say that. It's a hell of a lot better than Thor 2, and I recommended that. 
So yeah, recommend. And I don't think we're done. I, I do think that this movie will return in some form. These characters will return. Do we want any more? That's never the point. I, <laughs> I, 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 of course I don't. Of course I don't want any more of these adventures. But it would be curious to know what story they could tell. The origin is always the easiest one. A- having the next chapter, it's got to be about the team, right? We've got to learn about characters that we didn't spend time on. Maybe we will know more about Honey Lemon and Wasabi, what makes them tick and who they are as people, whereas they're just background chorus at this point. Uh, If there's a reason to have a sequel, that would be it. The end credits sequence just teases for me that the next one will be Fred's story. That's what I take from it. Like, Fred, there's a mystery there. That said, if there's another Big Hero 6 movie, I wouldn't dread it. I wouldn't be like, I recommended this one so weakly that I'm not looking forward to the next one the way I kind of feel about Ninja Turtles. So... I'd be okay with it, but what I'd really like to see is if they find that there's a success in taking certain Marvel properties and making movies out of them, let's see what else you could do. Let's bring up, like, Power Pack or something like that. With rainbows and unicorns, yes. I have no (laughs) idea what you're talking about. We were a hair's breadth from reviewing the TV pilot. (laughs) Yeah, someone sent me a link. I watched, like, three seconds of it and went, oh, thank God. Yeah, I I sent you that link. I watched the whole episode. (laughs) It was, But that's the kind of stuff I think they could mine, and I would be more interested in seeing them do that, just to see what they could do with a more well-known property, even if they completely pervert it the way they did this one. But I'm not a Disnut. I'm not even a fan of Disney. They usually leave a bad taste in my mouth, but Big Hero 6 has made it so that if they did another one, I'd go see it in theaters with or without being mandated. Yeah, you got to say, this far into the Disney run, they haven't screwed it up yet. I mean, you were worried that Disney taking over Marvel would mean a drop in quality, but you guys love Guardians? We still have Ant-Man. Yeah, well, okay. We're not to the end, but I'm just saying that so far, not so bad. We, we still got Captain America, which I would still say is in my top 10 of the year right now. Every time I watch it, I like it more. So, yeah, I, they this year has been a great year for Disney Marvel. Last year was a horrible year for Disney Marvel. I do think that the corporatization of Marvel has taken away their individuality. I do like how you say, this isn't a Pixar film, this is a Disney film. Well, you know, it's all the same now. Mm, <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, I guess what I'm saying is I don't see that that's true yet. I can still see that there's a flavor to these individual companies and that so far we're not choking on it. I just wish Big Hero 6 was as good as Feast. That's all. Yeah, I I agree with you there. But that is it for Marvel this year. Our next Marvel movie I can frothing at the mouth for. Oh, wait, there's the Kingsman. Well, I'm not frothing at the mouth for Kingsman, but I might be slightly salivating. Yeah, that looks like it could be fun. Uh, Mark Millar and the director of Kick-Ass. Yeah, if if they keep that kind of snark fun, I I could enjoy it. The trailer hasn't done anything, but then again, uh, trailers lie. I don't know how many trailers these days I see that I think it, it, it shows an individual quality. The second trailer was better than the first for it. Yeah, it looks like a good-looking movie that hopefully has the right mix of humor and danger. And it looks more like a spy movie. You know, you say Marvel, my attitude is still, well, that's superheroes. That's capes. And I didn't see any capes in Kingsman. The next one, as far as I can tell, it's Avengers 2, right? Yes, that looks so good. I cannot get over how good that looks. I'm a little nervous about all of the characters in it and how can you possibly service that? Yeah, you're going to be buying a lot of toys. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah, it looks fine. <laughs> you know, which for me is high praise. I just want to say, <laughs> as someone that started this Marvel series, pretty much giving thumbs down to, what, 40 movies. Now that, yeah, Marvel proper has, has started off, sure, I didn't totally go with Guardians and Thor 2 remains a sticking point, all of that. But still... Everything that they're doing is so much better than what comic book movies were before. And I'm liking Spader. Believe it or not, my takeaway from that trailer is Spader looks like he's got a really cool part. We could have a really good villain. Uh, We haven't had one yet. Yeah, I haven't seen too many I've liked in Marvel movies. But he looks like a good villain. I don't know what Ultron is, but I like him already. Yeah, I think that's looking really good. We have so much more, though, guys. We're never getting out. They've announced movies through 2018, and they're upping it to three a year. Joy. Avengers 3, Avengers 4, the third Captain America is going to have Iron Man and be Captain America versus Iron Man. Black Panther, you're getting Doctor Strange, Stuart, the only one you might have hope for, I think. Marvel continues to surprise. I will say that about them. They keep finding new ways, new formulas, new genres. I get the sense that while they have the same skeleton, each movie has its own skin. And, uh, you know, so far, I'm willing to go with it. I was not terrified, I guess would be my report from hearing all of those movies. I do always am left feeling like, don't people want less superhero movies? But maybe not. Maybe we're just in an age where superhero movies reign supreme. We're in a bubble right now. It's not going to break anytime soon. I always think it's going to be the next one, and it's not. We're in it for the long haul, and it is frankly what's keeping a lot of studios afloat they invest monies in other genres and and they tank and we get john carter's the superheroes it's keeping hollywood alive so what about the spider-man aunt may solo film I don't believe that that's true. But, <laughs> I don't uh, either, but... <laughs> that's as likely as a Sinister Six. Not yeah, I, I'm not sure what Fox and Sony are doing with the Marvel properties they've been able to hold on to, but we're going to get that next year, too. Fantastic Four is going to be something next summer. <laughs> something is right. Well, we got a lot of movies to cover before that. I mean, next week, we're going back to King one last time this year. We couldn't end on Children of no. the Corn Genesis. We could not end with, yeah, that night shit, shift, shit. Yeah, no, can't do it. We had to at least go for a book that's beloved. I don't know that this movie is beloved, but it got big ratings back in the 90s, and we're covering all four parts. It's an eight-hour miniseries, or I guess without commercials, it's more like six. A four-part miniseries, one review next week. The Stand. Yes, and check out Books and Nachos, where I'm going to be reviewing the poem that King first wrote about... What? The villain from that movie, and then... <laughs> I didn't even know you were pulling that one out. Okay. I look forward to that. I had no idea it was coming. Yeah, a poem King wrote in the 60s is getting a Books and Nachos. <laughs> I'm definitely going to talk about that on Books and Nachos as wow. to why I'm covering it, and the fact that anything King writes will now get printed. <laughs> it took 40 years for them to print that. I probably won't read it, but I do look forward to your review. And then after the Stand movie review is out, look at booksandnachos.com for the mammoth review of all three novel versions of The Stand. I've read all three. I will be reviewing them all in one podcast of Books and Nachos. How long will that review be? I mean, it's like uh, guessing the jelly beans in the jar. I know it's going to be a lot. I mean... Uh, I don't think it's going to be as long as people think. I mean, I'm not going to recite the plot. Read the book. Okay. I, I'm, I'm going to go two hours. Uh, you probably would be right. I'm As of this recording, I'm not done recording. 
Yeah, two hours seems like you might be able to cut yourself off. Definitely not anything less than that. As for the rest of our schedule, I invite you to head to nowplayingpodcast.com. It's a new redesigned website that has the schedule on it. So the question we are most often asked on Facebook, on Twitter, by email, on the forums, even though the schedule's been posted on the forums for as long as we've had the show, but what are you reviewing next? Head to nowplayingpodcast.com. It's right there on the homepage to the right. You can see all of our recent reviews at the bottom, any written reviews at the top, and then our schedule right there in the middle on the right. And at the top is also a very, very important thing. Yeah, please don't miss that. It's big and it's bright and it, it's it's our future, quite frankly. We need donors. If you want to help out our show, the way to do it, the best way to do it, is click that banner at the top of the page. There you'll find out about our fall 2014 donation drive where we twice a year do donation drives to raise the money needed to keep this show going. I mean, we keep going to theaters more and more every year. It's an expensive proposition. We're guys who work for a living. This is not our job and we couldn't pay for our servers, the equipment, the software, the upgrades, all of it without listener support. The fact that we have so many listeners coming to the site, it crashed our servers many times this year. We have to pay quite a bit for a website. I know people sit back and go, websites don't cost anything. I have a blog. It ends up costing if you don't want it to crash. And so we need your financial help to keep the show going. And as a thank you to those who donate $15 or more, you can choose between six Lord of the Rings podcasts, all the Peter Jackson live action films, or you can choose seven Leprechaun podcasts. All of those were done leading up to Halloween. That includes the new Leprechaun Origins, as well as all of the films starring Warwick Davis. Or if you want both, you can donate $30 or more and get all 13 podcasts, the Lord of the Rings, the Leprechaun, plus three exclusive reviews only for platinum donors, the three animated Lord of the Rings films. We reviewed those as well. And it's all leading up to The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies coming out next month. So thank you in advance for your support. We really thank you for allowing us to review these movies that we enjoy doing so much. We probably would be doing this regardless, but at the pace that we do, with the intensity we do, it's because of you donors. So yeah, thank a donor. They keep us going. And until next week, I am satisfied with my care. People keep saying Rashi's not really gone, as long as we remember him. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing, and we hope you've enjoyed the show. How cool is that? I mean, it's scary, obviously, but how cool! Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review. The applications for this tech are limitless. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of all the other Marvel comic-based films, such as Howard the Duck, The Avengers, Blade, The Fantastic Four, and Spider-Man, as well as reviews of other series such as Star Trek, Terminator, Superman, Batman, Robocop, and many more. Find hundreds of movie reviews at nowplayingpodcast.com. There's a place for everything, everything in its place. And while at nowplayingpodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss Big Hero 6 with other listeners. Come here, come here, come here. You're going to love this. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are at nowplayingpodcast.com. Welcome to the Nerd Lab. 
Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. You're going to need some upgrades. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. We wanted to help a lot of people. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more. Anybody else's suit riding up on them? The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. Why is Baymax wearing carbon fiber underpants? Now Playing's Big Hero 6 review is edited by Arnie. Harry baby. Harry baby. Now Playing credit narration by Brock. I thought I heard you. Now Playing is not affiliated with Walt Disney Pictures. The Marvel characters and all the Marvel Universe contains is the intellectual property and trademark of Marvel Publishing Incorporated, a subsidiary of the Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. My aunt asks, we were at school all day. Got it. The opinions expressed in Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. When are you going to start doing something with that big brain of yours? What? Go to college like you? So people can tell me stuff I already know? Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2014. All rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Low battery. So Arnie, do you want to give him the plot? 60 years... I was about to honestly say 60 years before the events of Lord of the Rings, Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> what, I'm like, wait, when did, when did 60 years pass him? Yeah, I was like, oh, is the dog that old? Wrong document. <laughs> Try to get into his university program headed by Professor Robert Callahan, voiced by James Cromwell, one of Hero's idols. The professor, not the actor, so I'm going to do that again. I don't know that I would want to hug my healthcare provider, but I'd at least like one who's as medically competent. I mean, it, the patient says, I'm. This is funny because your dad is a doctor. <laughs> and he is not Baymax. <laughs> I don't want to hug him. He's either. kind of Mad Max, actually. <laughs> James Cromwell, this, we keep coming back to James Cromwell. Is he still alive? I thought he was dead. <laughs> he <laughs> must be. Well, yeah, why would you say that? I, because I literally thought he was dead. I mean, they do voiceover for animation before they actually animate. So this could have been recorded a long time ago before he died. Is, is he alive? He's alive. Yeah, definitely. Okay. okay I, I thought. Oh, it's, it's the guy from Independence Day who died. Okay. And, I mean, he is 74, so it's not outside the realm of possibility that he died. Sure. All right. Why? I want to say Cromwell. Uh, Callahan. Yeah, I think we've uncovered his manufacturing station in an abandoned warehouse in Fran- San Francisco. In an abandoned warehouse in San Francisco, which is really hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> Quarantine Island uh, off the coast. Knowing that the bad guy, at least in some draft, was called Yoki. I'm thinking Yoki's Island? Wasn't that a video game with Mario? Yoshi, Yoshi. Yoshi, okay. (laughs) And anybody who's watched a single episode of Misfits of Science, or a show that lasted... No one has seen that, Arnie, except you. 
Professor Cromwell. Well, what's his name? Callahan. No, no. Callahan. Pro- Parallel between, yeah, now I want to call him Cromwell. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Callahan. Yeah. A parallel between Callahan wanting vengeance for 